Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 690 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 2nd of May 2023 as I record this. In today's in between episode, I'm doing a solo show on the AI-assisted artisan author and since this might attract new listeners, I'm going to introduce myself in more detail so you know where I'm coming from in terms of my response to AI and this new wave of technological change. Because our background, experience, our age in years, and also our writing age, which is how many years we've been writing professionally, all go into how we feel about and respond to AI. So hopefully this episode will help you as you consider how you want to move ahead. So I write non-fiction as Joanna Penn, mainly self-help for authors, some career change, and I'm an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling thriller and dark fantasy author as J.F. Penn. I have over 35 books and I have sold almost a million books across 169 countries and five languages. I'm an award-winning podcaster, creative entrepreneur and international professional speaker. My latest book is a bit different. It's a memoir, Pilgrimage, Lessons Learned from Solo Walking Three Ancient Ways. I started writing in 2006, first self-published in 2008, went full-time in 2011. I am the director and sole employee of The Creative Pen Limited, which is a multi-six-figure company based in the UK. I live in Bath, England, and I am 48 years old. And my previous day job was as an IT consultant implementing SAP, which is an enterprise software package across corporates uh, in Europe and Asia Pacific. So I, or, but my degree is in theology. My first degree is in theology. My second degree is in psychology. So while I have some technological background in terms of accounts payable packages, it is not related to anything we really do as authors. But I'm, I guess I'm always being uh, open to that. So in this episode, I will cover acknowledge the risks and understand the human response to change. How generative AI has made me re-examine my self-definition. Adopt an AI curious attitude. What is an AI assisted artisan author, which we're now going to call A4 for short? Create beautiful books and products. Double down on being human. Write the books only you can write and include personal elements that can only come from you. Foster connection and community with other humans. Sell direct so readers connect you, the human, with your books. And how to move forward. So that is all coming up in this episode. And this episode is sponsored by my wonderful patrons at patreon.com forward slash the creative pen. 
Thanks to everyone who's been supporting the show for years and months and weeks. (laughs) You are all fantastic and it demonstrates you find the show useful and want it to continue even after all these years. Um, I started this podcast in 2009, so it is one of the longest running uh, podcasts for authors. So if you support the show on Patreon, you get my extra monthly Q&A for patrons only, and I answer questions on writing craft, publishing, book marketing, making money with your writing, and of course, all the AI and futurist stuff. I also share discount codes, behind the scenes information, early access to things and more. You can support the show with just a few dollars or euros or pounds or whatever your currency is. And uh, yes, you'll get that extra monthly Q&A audio. So support the show at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the creative pen. However, I know that some people don't want to subscribe and support monthly. You can also buy me a coffee or three or more because I do drink a lot of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into it. The AI Assisted Artisan Author As generative AI development continues apace and new possibilities emerge every week, the focus of AI discussion in the author community has been centred around productivity gains and high-volume output, copyright, plagiarism and piracy, and the fear of losing the artistic human aspect of being an author. But there is much to be excited about if we can move past fear and doubt and approach these tools with curiosity and a sense of wonder. We are only at the beginning of the opportunities of AI for wider society as well as for creativity and art. And it's important that authors, writers and other creatives be involved in order to shape the future as we want it to be. In this article, I'll outline the concept of the AI-assisted artisan author, which is how I intend to surf the wave of change ahead, rather than drown in the deluge. Acknowledge the risks and understand the human response to change. I have been talking and writing about the possibilities of AI since 2016, when AlphaGo beat Lisa Doll in what many consider the first creative AI move. I have covered the futurist topic as it relates to authors regularly since then, and even written a short book on the impact of AI on authors and publishing. I am the technology advisor to the Alliance of Independent Authors and helped formulate a submission on AI and copyright to the UK government in January 2022. Yes, I am an optimist and AI positive, but I also acknowledge the many questions and issues humanity must work through. There are risks and dangers associated with AI, in the same way that there are with other transformative tools that humanity has developed – and many smart people are working on how to figure out the way ahead. Former head of Google Brain and co-founder of Coursera, Dr Andrew Ng, describes AI as the new electricity. Sundar Pichai, CEO of Google Alphabet, said that AI is the most profound technology humanity is working on, more profound than fire, electricity, or anything we have done in the past. Fire, electricity, and indeed the internet have huge benefits and can also destroy lives. But we have adapted and they are an essential part of modern life. Do you want to live without fire, electricity or the internet? 
These are tools and weapons, the promise and peril of the digital age, as covered by Brad Smith in his book, written before the emergence of generative AI and still a good model. So yes, there are risks, but there are also incredible opportunities. I focus on creativity, specifically writing, here, but if you research any sector right now, you will see incredible potential emerging with AI tools. Because let's face it, things are not all rosy and wonderful right now. Humanity has huge challenges, and we could use the help to solve issues that are way too complex for us to figure out. For example, DeepMind's AlphaFold is revolutionising biology, which in turn will accelerate solutions for healthcare issues. And there are many applications for AI in helping to mitigate or even solve climate change, as well as reimagine education and other industries. Pick an area you're interested in and research how AI is being investigated for future developments. And I should say, there are a ton of links in the show notes. (laughs) So when I say things, I'm backing up with evidence and you can go and click on the links if you're interested in reading more. You can always find the transcription of the episode on thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. Just go to the episode and uh, find the notes or it's on the blog. The latest episode will be on the blog link. So, of course, there are legal ramifications around fair use, copyright and plagiarism, which may take years to work through. I covered these in more detail recently in my interview with intellectual property lawyer Catherine Goldman. So go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear us talk more about that. But technology always emerges ahead of regulation. And the latter will come, regulation will come, in the same way that laws around driving and internet safety emerged after those technologies started to be used more widely. And I mean, we're 20 plus years into the internet now, and we're still emerging new laws, new laws are arriving that help us deal with this technology. So that's the way it works. People start using things and then the laws come. People always resist technology. That is human nature. In the book Build for Tomorrow, Jason Pfeiffer gives many examples of how people have reacted to change, and it's an excellent book, highly recommend it. Bicycles were considered damaging to society, and books were considered dangerous for women. US founding father Thomas Jefferson even said that novels were poison that infects the mind. Cars were known as devil wagons, and people on the side of the street started throwing rocks at those in cars. Oftentimes, bystanders would yell, Get a horse! When I was growing up in the 80s, TV was rotting our brains and computer games caused violence in children. Now we live in a golden era for TV, and the gaming industry is bigger than music and movie industries combined. In the creative sphere, Pfeiffer reports that musicians initially resisted recorded music, seeing it as a threat to their live performances, but then pivoted into embracing it when they began to make money from recordings. As I write this in May 2023, there is controversy over Heart on My Sleeve, a viral hit song created with the AI-synthed voices of two human artists, with debates over the ramifications for copyright and fair use legal frameworks. But some artists are embracing the change, with musician Grimes saying on Twitter, I'll split 50% royalties on any successful AI-generated song that uses my voice, 
Same deal as I would with any artist I collab with. Feel free to use my voice without penalty. I have no label and no legal bindings. The development of photography might be the closest companion to where writers are now. As The Guardian notes, For 180 years, people have been asking the question, Is photography art? It uses a machine to capture an image, and you don't have to learn the skills of drawing or painting with a brush to create a finished picture. Some considered photography cheating, or unfair on those who take longer to create by hand. Since anyone can do it, it's essentially worthless, and it certainly can't be considered art. But now, of course, photography is considered an art form, and people pay for beautiful photos to put on their walls. They visit galleries and exhibitions to see photos, and they buy photo books and prints. The skill in photography is the choice of subject, the expert use of both the camera as a tool and the subsequent post-processing software, and the deeper human meaning behind the image. Obviously, some photos are not art. Some are functional, some are just for fun, some are personal, many are worthless. Nevertheless, photography remains, and the argument that it's cheating and unfair to those who paint or draw by hand has largely subsided. But once again, photography is in flux. The winning image of the prestigious Sony World Photography Awards was later revealed to be created partially with AI. So there is even a new word being adopted by some. Synthography, defined as the method of generating digital media synthetically using machine learning. And the same arguments are being raised all over again. I'm sure you've seen a lot of AI-generated art. I generate a lot myself. A lot of it is just for fun. But there are AI generation artists, <laughs> AI artists, I guess we could just call them, who are selling their work for a lot of money and who are clearly making art. So again, the skill is in the choice of subject, the expert use of the tools, the subsequent post-processing or editing, and the deeper human meaning behind the image, regardless of how it's made. Technology moves on, and you get to choose how best to achieve your creative vision by utilising new tools, or remaining with existing methods. But I know this goes deeper than semantics about what art is or is not. There is much more at stake. How generative AI has made me re-examine my self-definition. And uh, just to break away from my script here, I have been tying myself in knots about this, which which is why I kind of mentioned my age and experience at the beginning, because I feel like there's there's some... I would say younger or newer creators who are just jumping in and doing this stuff. And I'm like, what is what is the problem for me? And this is what it has come to. But uh, this is how I'm working through it. So I hope this helps you. When people ask what I do, I say, I'm an author and a podcaster. I write books and I record and publish audio. Although I also do some professional speaking and teaching as well. Enough people pay me through multiple streams of income that I can make a good living this way. Thank you very much. And I have been a full-time author entrepreneur since 2011. This self-definition has worked for me. 
until just over a month ago, in March 2023, when OpenAI released GPT-4, which you can only access in the paid version of ChatGPT. It's uh, $20 a month as I record this. I've been trying out various AI writing tools for several years, and while interesting and useful, nothing has blown me away in terms of quality. I have happily used many of the tools in various ways without having an existential moment. Earlier this year, I used PseudoWrite and other tools to help me write my short story, With a Demon's Eye, which I did a long blog post about, and you can uh, find the links in the show notes. But when I started co-writing with GPT-4, and it really does feel like co-writing, I had a moment of reckoning. It is a step change from what has come before. Based on my ideas and my structured prompting, and using my own J.F. Penn fiction as examples to guide voice and tone, I was able to output words much faster than I could write them myself. I was so engrossed in the story as I prompted and GPT-4 generated that I enjoyed the experience far more than writing alone. I was literally like, oh, this is great. Oh, I want the story to continue. It was so much fun that I was desperate to get back to the page to continue turning what was in my head into reality because it could do it so much faster. And I know many of you have these ideas and they're they're in your head and it's like, oh, I just need to get it on the page faster. And my brain just, just my ideas are coming faster than my hands can type. I mean, that's how it is. As science fiction author Hugh Howey recently wrote, the most impressive thing about chat is the most difficult thing for any writer, the ability to spin out words, to do the work. With chat, paragraphs pour out like rain. Of course, a rain of paragraphs and thousands of coherent words does not make a story that readers will love or an engaging non-fiction book. A lot more goes into the process of crafting a finished book. But outputting words has always been an important part of the job. And what is a writer if not someone who can turn thoughts into words on a page by typing or dictating or writing by hand? But the problem is how we have defined ourselves, and that needs to change in order to move forward. As Jason Pfeiffer says in Build for Tomorrow... We are not what we do. We are why we do it. We are not what we do. We are why we do it. This really helped me as I spent some time reassessing my self-definition. And perhaps this approach might help you too. I help writers and authors with my non-fiction books, courses, speaking and my podcast, this show, as Joanna Penn. My mission at The Creative Pen has always been to empower authors with the knowledge they need to make decisions about their career, to write and publish and reach readers in a more effective way. I want to be useful, that is one of my driving things, and I've always loved reading self-help. Early on, I wanted to be the introverted British Tony Robbins. The Creative Pen podcast has now been downloaded over 8.5 million times across 228 countries, and I have wonderful patrons who support the show. And people often email me or tweet me or leave a comment to say that the show has helped them, or at least found it interesting. Many of you have also said you tune in for the introduction just as much as the interviews and find my personal take on the industry useful. It's not just a pile of outputted words. 
So while text and audio generated by AI can certainly help you with practical tips and information on writing craft and business, it cannot bring my personal experience or share the emotional roller coaster that is the reality of being a human author. My recent midlife memoir, Pilgrimage, Lessons Learned from Solo Walking Three Ancient Ways, is an even better example of a book that cannot be replicated by AI. The words could be duplicated, for sure, but it's going to be a long time before an AI walks the Camino de Santiago and shares that emotional experience in such a personal fashion. What about my fiction as J.F. Penn? I write thrillers, dark fantasy, crime and a bit of horror. But that is not enough. Plenty of other human authors can deliver books in these genres, And even if you don't believe AI can do this right now, then check out AutoGPT and generative story apps and consider where we might be in a few years or even a few months. And again, links in the show notes. Why write fiction then, if readers can get their stories elsewhere? Well, you're a writer, you know why. (laughs) We can't help ourselves. (laughs) This is what we do. (laughs) Writing is how I figure out what I think. For non-fiction, it's what I think about the more practical things. And in my fiction and memoir, it's the deeper aspects and fundamental questions of life. My fiction has underlying themes of good versus evil. Memento mori, remember you will die. And whether there is more than just this physical realm. Is there a God? What about demons and angels? What lies on the other side of the veil? I'm writing this because I need to work out my approach to co-creating with AI tools and figure out the next steps in my author career. Sharing my words as I work through this might help you. I write fiction as I have this constant flow of story ideas, and if you write fiction, you'll understand this. As I walk through the world every day, my mind constantly spins off into fantastic adventures and dark corridors that I want to get onto the page and into the world. I am overflowing with story ideas that I have yet to share and more arrive every day. Some of the stories that make it into book form touch other people and provoke deeper thoughts, or at least an escape for a while. At heart, I write fiction for the old me. The Joe Penn who worked a corporate job for 12 years and who read thrillers and crime and dark fantasy and pretty much anything to escape a job she hated. I used to read on the commuter train every morning, with with lunch most days and on the way home, as well as in bed every night. I still read fiction every day for pleasure and fun and escape in a different way, but back then it was my lifeline. So hell yeah, I'm going to keep writing. But since I intend to use AI assistance across my creative and business processes, I need to shift my idea of what the job of an author is. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines author as the writer of a literary work, such as a book, but also one that originates or creates something. The latter half of the definition works perfectly if you want to embrace AI assistance. You can use AI tools through the creative process. With your ideas as the origin of the story or the non-fiction book, your hand-crafting through multiple prompting layers your guidance and editing to shape the final version of whatever you want to create.
So yes, I'm an author and a podcaster, but I am not someone who just outputs words in text or audio format. It is the purpose behind the words that matter and the connection I make with other humans that has an impact. So as Joanna Penn, I help writers with inspiration and information based on my human experience as an author. As J.F. Penn, I help readers and listeners escape their lives for a time into a world of imagination and explore the deeper aspects of human life through my themes. I already use tools and services in my one-person multi-six-figure business, and going forward, I intend to expand my use of AI tools to help me achieve these goals in different ways. So if you're still with me and you want to do this too, how can we move forward? Adopt an AI curious attitude. Too many people are making pronouncements about AI in the creative sphere without even trying the tools or without trying them again, since there are developments every day and the tools are changing and improving at high speed. An opinion you held last week may now shift based on new developments. So question and test your assumptions. Too many people are stuck in panic and fear and or avoidance, which I completely understand as I have had those feelings too, but we need to move forward into curiosity and adaptation as generative AI is not going back in the box. Every week, more companies roll out these tools in workplaces around the world. Just look at the pace Microsoft is releasing OpenAI tools into their office products. And yes, that includes Microsoft Word, which many authors use for writing. This is driving acceptance and awareness of AI tools in the workplace far faster than previous product iterations. And in fact, if you have a partner or you yourself work in a corporate environment, you are very likely using many of these tools already at work. The biggest tech companies in the world, Microsoft, Google, Amazon and Meta, are rolling out generative AI tools for creativity, search and office admin functions. And huge multinationals are embracing these tools. The Wall Street Journal reports that accounting and consulting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers is pouring a billion dollars into generative AI and using GPT-4 with Microsoft Azure to transform their business and client offerings. Law firm Allen and Overy is just one of the legal companies embracing AI to help draft legal documents, as reported by Wired. And even if the popular tools we use right now are shut down because of various legal cases over fair use and copyright, others will emerge built on top of new models created from appropriately licensed work. For example, if you don't want to use Midjourney because you're concerned about its data set, then check out Adobe Firefly, trained on Adobe's copyrighted works. Since the tool is integrated with Photoshop, many book cover designers will soon be using it. If you don't want to use GPT-4, then it won't be long until you can fine-tune a model built with proprietary data on Amazon's AWS Bedrock using the Titan model. Since it only needs 20 examples to fine-tune the foundation model, even individual authors could use this with their backlist. And imagine what a publishing company could do with thousands of genre-specific books. You are already AI-assisted. 
and you already use AI tools as part of your daily life and your author business. If you use Grammarly or ProWritingAid for editing, Google for research or Maps for navigation or email with auto anti-spam, Amazon for publishing or advertising or shopping, Facebook or TikTok or Twitter for social media, Spotify for music discovery, Netflix for TV, you are using AI-assisted platforms and tools. And as I said, even if you only use Microsoft Word, it will soon be enhanced by generative AI with Copilot. You can go back to writing by hand on paper and avoid AI altogether. Or you can take a breath and follow your curiosity. Experiment. Try out the tools. Many of them are free or cheap. And see how they might help you create what you could only dream of before. If you are AI positive, or at least AI curious, check out the Facebook groups AI Writing for Authors and AI Art for Authors, which are full of great tips and tricks and recommendations for various tools and prompts to get started. I am not going to share various ways of prompting in this episode or perhaps ever because so many other people are doing it so well. (laughs) So yes, links in the show notes or uh, search those groups on Facebook. And in fact, I know uh, many of you have left Facebook for various reasons. This might be the reason to go back if you want to learn these tools. That's AI writing for authors and AI art for authors. You can also get ideas from the AI Author Assistant by Alyssa Lorello, or check out tutorial videos like Elizabeth Ann West's videos on PseudoWrite, or join Jay Thorne's newsletter about the impact of AI on creatives at creativeaidigest.com, or check out Monica Leonel's excellent essays at The Author Analyst on Substack. Uh, Monica's uh, written some great ones recently. Um, She did a particularly good one that kind of dispels a lot of the misconceptions. I didn't realise until I spoke to an author friend recently that some people think that these AI tools are like a database where they have stolen books and put them in this database. And then if, if you use it to generate, it will then bring out exactly what someone else has written. But that's not how they work. And Monica's excellent essay goes into how large language models work and how they are built and how they generate. So that is definitely something to read if you want to understand the technology behind these tools. So this is the beginning of a new form of creativity and everyone is finding their own way. We are all new at this. So try things out and find your own process, in the same way as writers have always figured out their own way of doing things. You can learn from others, of course, and try the way other people are creating, but people change their process every day right now as new options emerge. And like I mentioned that AI writing group, I'm always in there getting ideas from what other people are doing, trying them out, seeing if they work for me. And the same with AI images. I'm frequently, I'm on, there's a lot of AI stuff on Twitter, a lot of people sharing image prompts, and I'll go in and try and replicate the a type of image myself using different prompts. Um, so yeah, having a great, great fun with that. In fact, I'll give you one I'm, I'm using at the moment because uh, I'm writing this book, Catacomb. I am using horror movie still as part of my mid-journey prompts and it generates version five it generates seriously like movie stills out of my imagined horror book catacomb um and it's it's super super good and so much fun you can tell my voice is just so much fun so yes you can learn from others but in the end it's your brain your ideas your creative vision 
it's also a great way to continue learning the craft of writing. In the same way that experienced artists construct the best prompts for AI art, the better you are at writing, the more deeply you understand the craft, the more you can prompt the AI tools into what you want to generate. And of course, edit the output with your creative vision in mind. So while you experiment, I recommend that you don't use other author or artist names in your prompts, whether for words, images, music or voice. While this may not legally infringe on the originator's intellectual property rights for doing so at the moment, since the law is not certain, it crosses an ethical line, in my opinion, and you are far more likely to plagiarise if you use someone else's name in a prompt. And you don't have to use people's name in a prompt. (laughs) So don't, basically. These are powerful tools, so let's use them responsibly and be on the side of good when it comes to using them. See the Alliance of Independent Authors' ethical use of AI for other guidelines. And in the end, why would you use someone else's name in your work? Because you are creative. You are an author. You want to create something that is uniquely you. So use your writing to prompt and fine-tune. You can use samples of your writing in your prompts, even if you've never published anything. So just give it a go. Which kind of brings me to the big question of what is an AI-assisted artisan author, or A4 for short? An artisan can be defined as a worker in a skilled trade, especially one that involves making things by hand, or one made in a traditional or non-mechanical way using high-quality ingredients. That's from the Oxford English Dictionary. So I tried to find a better word than artisan, (laughs) and no doubt some will argue with my use of the term, but I think it works because I intend to personally oversee and handcraft my books and products while also incorporating AI writing and creativity tools into my process. Some will choose to use AI tools in a high production model which is being much discussed in the author community. But that is not the only approach, and I don't want you to throw the baby out with the bathwater as such. I aim to produce books of higher quality this way and work with the tools to go deeper into my themes and write in an ever more personal way than I have done before. As Anais Nin said, if you do not breathe through writing, if you do not cry out in writing or sing in writing, then don't write, because our culture has no use for it. Because it's not about the production of words. It's not about paragraphs pouring out like rain. It's about meaning and connection. Jay Akunzo summed this up on Twitter recently. A bright line is being drawn between creators today. Some think the job is to create content. Others know the job is to create connect. When you learn to matter more, you need to beg for attention less. Keep making what matters. So how can we do this? Double down on being human. I often talk about this as a concept, but what are some ways you can practically demonstrate your humanity even as you use AI tools as part of your process? Write the books only you can write and include personal elements that can only come from you. 
In Future Proof, Nine Rules for Humans in the Age of Automation, Kevin Roos explains more about how he leaves handprints in his work as a reporter. I start every reporting assignment by figuring out how I can put my unique stamp on it and not have it feel like a generic story that any other reporter or any piece of AI software could have written. As authors facing the same question, if a bot can write this book, what's the point? The goal is to make every book resonate with your humanity, even as you use AI tools as part of your creative and business processes. If you're writing non-fiction, fill it with personal stories, not just tips that could come from anyone. If you're writing fiction, explore the personal themes that keep you awake at night, or delight you and make you laugh, or help you escape into another world and inspire a sense of wonder. It's a call to centre your humanity and put more of yourself into your work. I know how hard this is. Fear of judgment is my deepest struggle, with my books, with this podcast, and especially on controversial topics like this. I was scared to publish my darkest book, Desecration, for fear of what people might think of my dark side. I was worried when I published this successful author mindset as I shared snippets from my diaries around the reality of being a writer. And even after 15 years of being an author, I was terrified of publishing Pilgrimage as it laid bare my midlife depression and thoughts I hadn't even shared with my husband, let alone the wider world. But that's what we need to dial into. AI tools can generate unlimited words in very little time and never tire, never stop. But that doesn't matter. Your books are your ideas. Your prompts, your creation, your editing, your creative direction. However you create, with or without AI tools, it's more important than ever to find your voice and reach readers as one human connecting with another. Create beautiful books and products. While digital products, ebooks, audiobooks, and online courses will continue to be important, generative AI will result in digital abundance, which will drive revenue down as there is so much supply. Scarcity therefore becomes ever more important, and as such, I am excited about creating beautiful physical products alongside the usual formats for my books. While I read every day in ebook and audiobook formats, my bookshelves are full of beautiful hardbacks that I will spend more money on. My most expensive book is an oversized edition with full-colour images of Carl Jung's The Red Book, which partially inspired Stone of Fire, one of my thrillers. Other books on my shelves, and I have so many. I'm I'm a one-click buyer of beautiful hardback books. Others include Death, a Graveside Companion, Heavenly Bodies by Paul Kudinaris, Dark Tourism by Rebecca Bathory, Lost Cities, Ancient Tombs, and Anatomica, the Exquisite and Unsettling Art of Human Anatomy. And if you have read Desecration, you'll know my interest in that area. And if you like the sound of these, you might enjoy my fiction as J.F. Penn, because yes, I am a dark little soul. 
I produced my first beautiful hardback book this year for my pilgrimage Kickstarter with silver foil on the cover, fly leaf, wraparound, outside cover with silken finish. I still don't know all the right words. Full colour photos and premium paper. You can buy the hardback on my store, creativepenbooks.com, also available in other formats in all the usual places. Now, I'm proud of all my books, but this is the first physical product I have ever made that I truly love. While the content of the memoir is available in all the usual formats in all the usual places, this premium physical product is both an expression of my desire to make something beautiful for a book of my heart, and it also makes me a decent profit. This satisfies my artistic and my business sides and helps my book stand out. I intend to do more beautiful books, and I have loads of ideas about future projects, potentially working with AI-assisted artists as well as my existing team. I will still continue to publish all the usual formats on all the usual places, but I will also do more special projects on Kickstarter and sell direct-only products from my store. In this way, I can leave handprints, as Kevin Roosh suggests in Future Proof. As he says, what will make us stand out is not how hard we labour, but how much of ourselves shows up in the final product. In other words, elbow grease is out, handprints are in. It's a really good book, Future Proof, and it was written before Generative AI, but it's a few years old now, but it's, it's really excellent. And I also recommend Kevin's podcast, Hard Fork, with Casey Newton, which offers weekly insights into AI developments in a pretty funny way. Foster connection and community with other humans. You can also use AI tools for marketing. And even some of those authors who are adamant about not writing with AI are using it for social media and marketing copy, character, images, advertising and more. But even as we use the tools for all these other things, we have to still leave handprints. Share aspects of your personal life that would be hard to replicate consistently over time by a machine. Yes, there are deep fake photos and there are photo quality AI images of people who don't exist, but you are real. So share real photos on social media or your website, preferably of your face, so people can see you. And I'm committing to say that human me will still present this podcast until I tell you otherwise, even though my voice double gets better every week. And I did think about using it for this episode. And I decided in terms of handprints or voice prints, <laughs> because I break out of the, uh, the script like I am doing now. And you can tell when I break out the script and AI me wouldn't do that unless it was also scripted. So there you go. This is human me. <laughs> Now, of course, you need to protect your boundaries. I don't share pictures of my husband on social media, but I share enough pictures of random things regularly that you know I'm a real person with a varied life. It's not all about branding or on-message photos like the kind generated by fake media purely for sales purposes. Be a human with a physical body. Attend events in person so you can meet and connect with other humans. I know this is hard. I'm an introvert with a touch of social anxiety. I'm overly sensitive to sound and light and find crowds and noise difficult and jet lag is a, a terror. 
After 20 books of ill recently, I spent a day in bed recovering in silence and darkness. And then I went to London Book Fair, but I ended up leaving early, which I often do, spending another day in bed, this time with a headache that completely shut me down. Thanks to everyone who sent tips on how to manage my energy better, and I will be sharing those in a roundup article at some point. This kind of person-to-person connection is critical, and increasingly so as the digital world becomes even more pervasive. People do business with people they know, like and trust. And after 15 years of building a digital, scalable online business, I am now searching for ways to be more physical, immediate, transitory and in-person. Less scalable, more personal. Of course, it can be expensive and impractical to travel to events and conferences, so you could just try arranging a a local meetup with other authors or organise a reader event at a library or a bookstore, or consider how else you could do something in person. What might intersect with your books or stories or world? Sell direct so readers connect you, the human, with your books and other products. When you choose to buy direct instead of through a big brand store, you connect with the creator and you know they're getting more money. When you sell direct, you have a closer relationship with the buyer. You get paid more quickly and you can email them over time, fostering the relationship and yes, encouraging more sales. The same happens with Kickstarter or other crowdfunding platforms. You connect with the author or creator more directly and you're choosing to help them make what they want to make and make more of a profit. Now I have a resource page now for interviews on selling direct, including how I built my Shopify store, lessons learned from my first Kickstarter and interviews with other authors doing this stuff. And of course, you can buy my books in all formats at creativepenbooks.com <laughs> or in all the usual places. Now, these are just some aspects of doubling down on being human, and I'm sure more will emerge as this industry changes and shifts over time. So finally, as Jason Pfeiffer says in Build for Tomorrow, do not panic. Do not focus on what is lost. Focus instead on what can be gained. Fifteen years ago, I embraced a new form of publishing. As one of the first generation of indie authors to use ebooks and digital audio as well as print on demand. I originally self published back in the days when it was seen as vanity and a bad decision that would destroy your reputation. Now it's seen as a valid choice for business minded authors who want to write and publish the books they choose, own and control their intellectual property, connect with readers directly, and make a full time living as an author. I didn't know it would turn out this way when I first self-published in early 2008, just a few months after the Kindle and the iPhone launched in late 2007. All I knew was that I wanted to join this exciting movement, full of authors experimenting and forging their own path on the back of a new wave of technology. I've experimented and tried new things along the way, pivoted and shifted and grown since then, And I am still here, still writing, still creating, still running my own business. And in many ways, I am a successful author. 
But as Aidan McCullen says in Undisruptable, a mindset of permanent reinvention for individuals, organisations and life, he says, When individuals are at their most successful, we are also at our most vulnerable. We become so preoccupied with optimising, enjoying and defending the competitive advantage that made us successful today that we neglect to prepare for tomorrow. Indie authors are successful right now, but the old model is shifting and I need to change in order to be successful for the next 15 years of my author career. I am only 48. I have a lot of life left in me, Touchwood. At 20 Books of Ill recently, someone described me as one of the old guard of indie because I've been doing this for so long. I'm certainly grateful for the last 15 years, but I don't want to be the old guard. I want to be in the vanguard of this new exciting movement, full of authors and creators forging their path on the back of this next wave of technology. So I'm experimenting and playing and trying new things. I'm pushing the boundaries of my existing creative process, and slowly I am shifting into being an AI-assisted artisan author. How about you? So I'd love to know what you think about this episode. And as ever, you can leave thoughts or questions in the comments on the blog or the YouTube channel. Tweet me at the creative pen. Email me joanna at the creative pen dot com. Please be gentle. And uh, we are still working this all out together. So yeah, and I, if you do a blog post or a podcast episode reflecting on this or um, considered thoughts would be great. This has taken me weeks to put together because I've been thinking so much about it. So, and I know a lot of you are really thinking about these things deeply. So yeah, let's, uh, let's all work this out together. Now I had a couple of PSs. PS, could you tell which words were generated by GPT-4 and what was just me? And does it matter if you found this useful and or thought-provoking? So could you tell? And my PPS is human me wrote every word of this. But again, does it matter as long as you found it useful and thought-provoking? So I hope you found this episode useful as you consider how you want to use AI tools in your creative and business processes. And as ever, I would love to hear from you. And I have a few more AI episodes coming up, a discussion with Michael Anderley from 20 Books to 50K and Dan Wood from Draft to Digital about how AI might change indie author business models. And then an interview with literary fiction author Stephen March, whose book, Death of an Author, is coming out from Malcolm Gladwell's press. Pushkin. And Stephen has put in the notes that the book is 95% written with AI tools. So lots coming up on AI. And then we'll be back to other topics. We'll be, we have episodes on mental health for writers, writing novels inspired by place, writing memoir, and much more as we head towards episode 700. So lots to look forward to. And in the meantime, happy writing, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, 
you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.